Hello, I'm Alison Hilliard, and in this edition of Things Unseen, I'll be exploring creatures that appear to fascinate people far beyond the confines of the Christian church. I see angels physically all of the time. Angels always give a human appearance. Um, You can't see through them because I know some people think you can, but they're actually very, very beautiful. And sometimes I would actually see wings, but other times I wouldn't. That was Lorna Byrne, a 59-year-old mother from Dublin, who claims that since she was a child, she's been able to see and speak with angels. I spoke to her about her experiences and about the guardian angel she says we all have. The beauty of them I actually find extremely hard to describe. The only way I could do it, I always remember the time when the soul of my little baby went to heaven and Angel Cappus appeared in the room and he was very tall, very elegant, but again he gave a human appearance. But part of the beauty of him, I could only describe part of it. And that part was that the clothing he wore himself seemed to be like little splinters of glass, all perfect and unique. And there seemed to be constant music coming from him with every movement he made. He was absolutely incredible. And it's actually very hard even to describe that. Do you think that all angels are guardian angels? No, no, not all angels are guardian angels. Guardian angel is the gatekeeper of your soul to bring your soul back home to heaven when your human body dies. Do you think everyone has a guardian angel? I mean, regardless of their faith and regardless if they are not Christian or don't have Christianity as any frame of reference? I'm travelling the world now and everywhere I go, I see men, women and children and I have never seen any human being without a guardian angel. I know if I did, I would be shocked. But what about and where do you think people's guardian angels might be if terrible things happen to them? And there are so many terrible things happening around the world. Where are people's guardian angels then? It is horrific to see all of the the horrible things happening in the world today. But your guardian angel and everyone out there in the world, even to those men, women and children now where horrific things are happening, their guardian angel is right there with them. They're not alone. So what's the difference then in having a guardian angel and actually having a belief in God? Because I suppose some people would say that they would ask God for similar guidance and expect God to be alongside them. Or if they were of another faith, they would expect whatever their belief in the divine is to walk alongside them with that sort of guidance. Well, you have to remember God has given you a soul, that speck of light. That is God that's inside of you and fills every single part of you. But he's also given you a gift of a guardian angel. So should you ignore a gift that God has given you? Lots of people who ask me, do I pray to angels? I'm a Catholic. I don't pray to angels. You only pray to God. That's always very important. But even when you're in prayer, angels are praying with you. Even when you're asking God for help, the angels and your guardian angel is enhancing that message that you're asking as well. They're asking on your behalf. Can you see my guardian angel? No, because you're at the other end of the phone. (laughs) So definitely I can't. But I know your guardian angel is there with you. I don't doubt that. Lorna Byrne, who travels the world sharing what she says are her encounters with angels and the messages they've given her. A recent survey on the spiritual mood of Britain concluded that over a third of us are convinced that angels do indeed exist. 
Quite surprisingly, among those who believe in these celestial creatures, 7% describe themselves as atheists. So what then makes angels so appealing to people of faith and even to those who have no religion? And how does that fit with traditional Christian views about angels? And what about other faiths? Do they have a tradition of angels too? Well, to help with some of these questions, I'm joined in the studio now by the very Reverend Andrew Nunn, Dean of Southwark and London, by Jay Lacani, Director of the Hindu Academy and the Hindu Council UK, and by Professor Bettina Schmidt, Director of the Alistair Hardy Religious Experience Research Centre at the University of Wales Trinity St David, a centre that compiles spiritual encounters submitted by the public. Bettina, if I could start with you. Now, you found that people who are not religious often say that they've seen angels. Why do you think angels are so attractive to those who are not religious? Well, I would not say that they are not religious. They believe in sort of spirituality. They are not calling it religion, but prefer the term spirituality. But they are looking for an experience outside our ordinary experiences. And when we then look at the accounts, and we have at the moment over 6,000 accounts in the archive, quite a lot refer to either spirits or angels or guardian angels, something which helped them in a moment of distress of danger. Andrew, if I can bring you in, do you think that explains the popularity of angels to people who aren't committed to a faith? I think that angels are very kind of accessible, an easier kind of way into religion that don't demand the kind of commitment that so much of the other faith demands. So you become very familiar with angels because you probably acted as one when you were doing your nativity play at school. Is there anything, Jay, that might be comparable to this in Hinduism? Yes. You see, the Hindu tradition believes that just as we you know, exist in this plane, there are many other planes in which a lot of other living things exist. The Hindus recognize higher beings they call devas. And the word deva is derived from the Sanskrit root deva, which means light. They're saying there are beings made of light. It's a very unusual description and there's a whole mass of them and whether they act necessarily as guardian angels is something that we cannot really kind of agree with. And they are not only devas, they are devis, means female kind of angels as well. But we say there's a whole lot of other beings who do interact with human beings and appear in front of them in difficult times and support them and help them along. Bettina, based on the accounts that you have been taking at your centre then, what do most people actually believe an angel to be? I find Jay's description really fascinating because this is what I found also in the accounts. They see a light uh, which helps them in a moment of distress. So they are not seeing what we heard in the, the previous interview, human figures, but they see light colors and which makes it so, so interesting. And some of the accounts uh, refer to angels like a deceased relative, grandmother, who looks after the person in a moment of danger and warns the person about it. And how do we know then that it's not just a figment of people's imagination when they might be in great distress after somebody has died, for example, or when people are in real need of help? Well, in one of the examples I read in preparation of today, there was a description about a person when the person was quite young as a child, there was a thunderstorm and a dangerous situation. And then she felt warmth around her and somebody put her hand on her shoulder and guided her to a spot where she was safe. No one else could see 
who was guiding this young girl into safety. But she felt this was her guardian angel. Of course, you can argue it could be a figure of imagination, but she felt the hand really physically. Andrew, how are angels then understood traditionally in Christianity and particularly in your own tradition in the Church of England? Well, part of the roots of that comes from the Old Testament, so that angels are appearing all the way through the Scriptures, Old and New Testament together, and are there as messengers from God, as kind of in intermediary roles. Jesus makes reference to guardian angels, that every little one has a guardian angel, and by that I think he means every person. But I think within the sort of the life of the church, there's a sense in which we live with them all the time. Because if you go into any decorated Christian church, let's say, you'll find there numerous angels. Since I knew I was coming to this conversation, I was just looking around Southwark Cathedral and I was spotting them everywhere. You know, so it's as though when we're there, we're surrounded by angels. And then... There's part of the Eucharist, the communion service, that's always mentioned. So in the great prayer over the bread and wine, it always concludes, therefore with angels and archangels and with all the company of heaven. And there is a sense in which, however few you are, you're worshipping within a greater company. Now, the extent to which that actually impinges upon people's spirituality, I don't know. I'm finding this absolutely fascinating because I believe in angels, but I haven't had experience of angels myself. And I'm wondering, is there something wrong with me? And I'm also kind of a bit concerned about the extent to which that displaces Jesus. I want Jesus to be there by my side. I want Jesus to be guiding me to heaven and all of that. So I wonder if it's a distraction, but I also wonder if I'm missing out on something of that glory that we surround ourselves with in church, which is part of the tradition. Some people would say that angels are actually the spirits of the dead who are returning to protect those left behind. Now, that doesn't seem to be what you're saying. I think that's where you get a real mix-up because the Christian tradition speaks about angels as being a particular form of creation. So human beings are created, angels are created, cherubim, seraphim. There's all these layers of the creation, much, much bigger than we can ever imagine, a wonderful kind of concept of creation. The Christian tradition does not speak about when you die, you become an angel. I think that's popular spirituality. And people like to think in those terms because it's very comforting. But I can't say that that is the Christian tradition. I think it's an aberration. You're nodding in agreement with with this, Jay. Do you find this distinction in Hinduism also? Yes, there are a lot of resonance with Hinduism. For example, he mentioned all these angels visible in the churches. If you go to any traditional Hindu temple, you'll see celestial beings decorating all the walls outside and inside. The other thing where I agreed with Andrew and I really smiled is this. You see, he mentioned that he's not able to see an angel. Perhaps he's missing out something because he's focusing on Jesus. According to me, a Hindu, this is a good sign. He doesn't want a halfway house. He's looking for the grand prize and nothing less will do. So it's a marvelous thing. On the third point, I would disagree in the sense that in the Indian tradition, in the Hindu tradition, we say if a person is of high virtue, then after he passes away, enter a different realm, a higher realm. But a higher realm is the realm of the devas and the devis, where you become a celestial being 
with body of made of light and you kind of reap the benefit of all the wonderful things you've done in your life. But again, that is not permanent, that's temporary. And they again have to come back and be reborn as a human and continue their spiritual progress. But maybe does the idea of ancestors in Hinduism fit with this idea, this popular notion that people have of angels, that they are spirits of the dead, or that's how they would like to see them? In fact, there are hundreds of stories where we hear how an ancestor or a person who has passed away in the family has helped a family in distress. Hundreds and hundreds of them. In the Hindu tradition, ordinary person, when they pass away, they enter a particular realm called the Pitru Lok, or if you like the land of the forefathers. What they do there, I have no clue, but it would be very boring, I suspect, after a you know, greeting. <laughs> but then they stay there for a certain time, and then they're reincarnated, because reincarnation is central in Hinduism. Do you think, Bettina, that's one reason that people want to believe in angels, that they want want that sense of comfort. They want something that is comforting to them in times of distress. Mm, absolutely. Some of them are, of course, aware of the Christian tradition of angels, but what they want goes beyond. Quite a lot of the people who sent us narratives belong to a Christian church, to Anglican church or Lutheran church, or some go to Quaker meetings. But they want something outside the doctrinal teaching of their tradition and they find what they're looking for in this belief in angels. Is there a danger here, Andrew, do you think, in, if you like, secularizing or popularizing angels, divorcing them from their biblical tradition? I think it's part and parcel of what's happening to religion as a whole in our society at the moment. I think it's just one example of that way in which people are discovering that materialism isn't all it's cracked up to be. That actually, that spirituality is at the very heart of us. But I think it's a real challenge to the church. You know, if people are finding comfort in an overdeveloped sense, I would say, of an angelic world, why is it that what we have been preaching is no longer bringing comfort? Why is it that the message that the Christian church has, to talk about my own tradition, why is it deficient in that way? Why do I need to access a guardian angel for that comfort? So I think there is a real challenge going on. And because nowadays we're in a society in which we can access what we want when we want in the way we want it, people will do that with religion as well. And I sometimes feel as though I'm trying to run to keep up with the way the spirituality is developing which is good for us. I'm not saying, you know, we haven't lost the race, but we have to keep going with it. Going back to the description of angels, and we heard Lorna Byrne talk earlier about how she's able to see angels all around her all the time. How common would that be, Bettina? I must admit it's not really common. Quite a lot of the description I read, they can see light. And Jay, could you physically describe a deva then? I don't know if you've seen one, for example. Well, like Andrew, I'm looking for the grand prize, so I'm not too distracted by the devas or the devis. But the thing is this, I know of other people who have seen devas and devis myself. And what they describe is this, it is as if out of nothing, a deva or devi will appear out of nothing. They're very colorful, some with red face. In one case, one said that deva looked so hot. I said, have some water, and the deva smiled and disappeared. What about in Christianity, Andrew? What clue do we get as to how angels physically look? Well, I'm reminded of a picture of the Annunciation that's in the Philadelphia Museum of Art. I can't remember the name of the artist, but what is so fantastic about this depiction of the Annunciation is there isn't a white man 
with a dress on with wings stood in the corner pointing at Mary. There's a shaft of light, of multicoloured light there, and Mary is cowering back on the bed, confronted by this light. It's a more modern painting, and I just think maybe that is a really important painting. And when I sort of encountered it and was stunned by it, I think it seems to be connecting with what we're saying around the table about this concept of light coming in, rather than some of the more traditional images of angels, which I know are very, very popular. But I think that clutching onto this idea of light is not so far away from the tradition. But how common would it be for someone to try and describe an angel to you? I don't know any of any of your parishioners have ever said to you that they've seen an angel. Well, I'm fascinated by the work that Bettina's doing because very rarely do people come up to you at the back of church when they've just said, nice sermon, vicar, and then say, oh, by the way, I had a spiritual experience this week. Because people don't tend to do that because I think sometimes they may wonder what the priest would say being a religious professional. And you may think that we'd be the most receptive people to hearing it. Perhaps we're not. It's really interesting. Sometimes the the people in the letters to the centre say that they didn't dare to speak with their vicar uh, about their experience. Quite surprising in a way, though, because in the church there's a special day dedicated to angels. It is the Feast of St Michael and All Angels, which is a wonderful day when we're able to focus back on angels, and that comes up every year. And, of course, for many parts of the church, this has been a day when ministry has begun, when new ministers, new priests and deacons are actually ordained and licensed because we describe them in the collect for that day, the special prayer for that day, as ministering angels. These are ministers of, of God. Would you turn to an angel, Andrew, if you needed help, if you were in distress? No, I'd turn to Jesus. I think I'd turn to God in prayer. I would turn to the saints, which I do, because I see the progress of the developed human soul towards sanctity. And I'm not saying at all that I don't believe in angels. I do, but I don't find that that is where my comfort lies. Well, let's turn again for a moment to the experiences of Lorna Byrne, who's now, after all, a best-selling author, such is the popularity of angels today. And I asked her whether she could see how people might be sceptical about what she claims to see. I can't prove to you, you know, that angels are real. I see the angels physically, and I don't know why God allowed me to see them physically and not you. I'm dyslexic. I don't read very well. You know, why did he pick somebody so imperfect? I haven't the faintest idea. So all I can do for people is just give the messages. And it's up to people then, you know, to decide for themselves. So when you talk about angels, has anyone in the Catholic Church taken you seriously about that and tried to investigate it or to prove what you have seen? I know lots of priests and different people of different religions have read the books and they give me great support. Is there a danger though that I suppose you could be accused of cashing in on the popularity of angels because it's a comforting notion, it's something that people want to believe that they have a guardian angel, that somebody's looking after them? Yeah, I would get people saying that and saying you're a multimillionaire and all of this kind of thing. But um, I'm far from being a millionaire, I have to say. I do everything possible to even keep the price of the books down. And when I give a talk, if you have to get someone to organise it, you know, someone that does that kind of thing, 
again, I get them to keep the price down so that people could actually come. Because to me, it's not all about money. Andrew, if I could pick up with you here, what do you make of Lorna's visions? I think just listening to her, she sounds like a person who has found the most amazing experience of peace that just exudes from her. And I think I would want to meet her and just listen to her speaking about it because although that's not my experience, it is her experience and I value that greatly. And I think she has a lot to teach us about the way in which angels, which do exist because they are part of God's great creation, how we can deepen our relationship with them. I'd also want to hear her talk about Jesus, to be honest. And of course, Lorna has experiences with angels outside the Christian tradition because she sees no contradiction between her experiences of angels and her obviously devout Catholic faith. No, but then there are myriads and myriads of angels. And if you go on angel websites nowadays, you find lots and lots of names of angels as well. So I place them all in the biblical tradition, to be honest. And can I just say that there is an aspect to angels that we haven't talked about, and that is Lucifer was an angel and was the angel of light who fell from grace and from heaven. So before we pretend that angels are perfectly wonderful beings, there is that chink in the armour. And I think that's really interesting that God should create such an order. There is certainly a chink in the human armour because we too fell from grace. Angels maybe are not so different in that one fell from heaven. Che. Yes, in fact, I would resonate most of the things that Andrew has said. You see, the higher beings, according to the Hindu tradition, though they are higher because they are kind of full of virtue, that's why they are in their particular realm, they do possess some of the human traits and some of the, if you like, the lower human traits like jealousy and anger. So we also have stories of how the devas and devis sometimes would harm rather than help humanity. If they become jealous of a human being making tremendous progress towards spirituality, Bettina, I suppose I'd have to ask you, though, as a self-declared agnostic, what the discussion on angels and what reading so much and hearing so much about the visions of angels, what does that say to you personally? Personally, I have not seen an angel or a spirit or a god, but I appreciate that other people have. And I appreciate how fascinated they are and how much they take out of their experience with the supernatural for their own being, for their own life. And this is what I really can treasure, though I personally will never judge there is just one tradition, but I accept everything is possible. What about you, Jay? I'm just picking up on that point of guardian angels. Do you think you have a guardian angel as you would express it in Hinduism? Yes, I'm, I'm pretty sure I have one. But the thing is that person remains crucially invisible, perhaps, to make sure they don't get distracted and continue my progress in the spiritual journey I've commenced. We are a pluralistic tradition. We recognize that spirituality can unfold in a variety of different ways in different cultures. Well, maybe that is the point and the point on which we should end, Andrew, that angels, if you like, are a pointer to what people want from religion and spirituality. They are, and they've always been appointed to God. Uh, and I think the two things hang together, really. But I think if people can find their way through angels to God, then they will find something even richer than a panoply of angels waiting for them. 
Thank you very much. On that note, let me thank my studio guests today. That's the very Reverend Andrew Nunn, Dean of Southwark in London, and Jay Lakani, Director of the Hindu Academy and the Hindu Council UK, and Professor Bettina Schmidt, Director of the Alistair Hardy Religious Experience Research Centre at the University of Wales Trinity St David. I'm Alison Hilliard and you've been listening to Things on Scene, the programme for those who believe there's more to life than the material world. Things on Scene was brought to you by CTVC. And you can hear this programme again and find other editions of Things Unseen at www.thingsunseen.co.uk.